This is KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. Welcome in, everybody. We are back. Another episode of One World Way. Jordan Foote here, Josh Kaiser, Joe Penfield, brought to you by M-Prize Bank, our partners Impossible. We can't thank them enough for their support of this episode. Boys, spring training is back. The Royals are kind of technically back, sort of. Um, not quite officially, but official enough for us to jump on and get on a pod. How are we doing? We're hanging in there, man. But hey, baseball's getting in full swing. Games are going now. The uniforms are a disaster, which is a whole nother thing. Um, but it's just good to watch ball games and see like live, you know, live stuff happening. It's getting me really, really excited for uh, for what's to come here. We even saw a game on the TV screen, and it was, I <laughs> it was new things. Now we have to wait like seven months before we get another one of those. But it was good to see that on a very fine Sunday afternoon. Let's go ahead and jump into, we can wrap up stadium thoughts. Actually, let's do that really quickly. I know that we had a pod where we already talked about it, and um, McDowell had a really good report, Sam McDowell of the Kansas City Star. Since then, we've seen the renderings. I thought that, honestly, they looked pretty cool for the most part. I know that the vote's coming up on April 2nd to extend that sales tax that gives $50 million annually to the Chiefs and Royals split between them. Um, guys, any thoughts on the renderings i thought that my favorite part probably the little like walkway concourse between the the sprint center god damn it not sprint center uh t-mobile center and the the soon-to-be proposed ballpark well i josh do you have any more thoughts on the renderings i know we need to keep this tight because uh i know we could <laughs> go 45 minutes straight on it but just straight up render talk i love me render uh, no, I, I agree. The the little park and the little walkway that they have going on is pretty uh, pretty sweet. To, considering what's there currently, it, would, it is pretty sweet. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to kind of see what happens in April to see how the vote goes and and uh, see how where this all goes. Yeah, I, I'm not really gonna form too many opinions on it until we know how this thing votes out on April second. Once we have that and we have a definitive direction of this is happening, then I'll get a little more, you know, either excited, interested, and then dive in a little more. But without it being finalized yet, I'm not going to put all my eggs in that basket quite yet. This is completely optional. Do we want to touch the sales tax and how we feel about the sales tax and the cost for households that came out and the estimates and the Twitterverse talk on Tuesday? Again, completely I, optional. I, I'm, I'm not a Missouri... Not being a Missouri resident, I'm not going to comment on it yep. because it's not yep. my vote. I'm a Missouri yep. resident, but I'm a Clay, so it, it doesn't affect me, I don't think, as much. But, it, I mean, it is what it is. I totally get it if you don't aren't interested in doing something like that, and I totally get it if you are. So, I'm in that same boat. I'm a KCK resident, so it doesn't really matter to me um, either way. Um, but, you know, there's... Numbers out there, data out there, research out there. At this point, people are going to vote what they're going to vote for. Either way, I don't think between February 27th as we're recording this and April 2nd that anything is going to change. Something that did change fairly recently that I kind of like just because of the company that's doing it. And I know that it's kind of, I don't want to say corny in some people's eyes, but there were people on Twitter that were like, oh my God, of course it's a, a jersey patch. Quick Trip is the new a multi-year Jersey patch official sponsor of the Kansas city Royals. Do we have any advanced thoughts on this? I have something I want to share once we 
get ready to transition. I guess I'll start with Josh. Do you have any immediate knee-jerk reaction to a big QT patch on that powder blue slash whatever the hell color uh, jersey? I love a quick trip. I'm with you. I, I love me a quick trip, and I love me a taquito. The combination of the red and blue goes against my everything being a Mizzou yeah. guy. I can't see the two colors together and think positive things about it. I do wonder, and I haven't necessarily debunked this enough to to say yes or no either way, but the I wonder how it works with the pitchers. Are they on the the glove side? I think arm? it's on the throwing arm. That would make more sense because I would think that having that red flashing across would be a bit yeah. distracting. But at this point, if it's a uh, an advantage on our end, then I am into it. So, I mean, I understand why teams do it, and I think mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense to have you know a you know a local base sort of company, you know, sponsoring the jersey. I think that's cool. I just wish it wasn't the gigantic gaudy red on the jerseys. That's the that's my only hang up. If they did like just the QT without the giant red square, then I'd be cool with it. Um, but it's just gonna be take a little while to get used to. No one's gonna really notice it by like May. It's not gonna be that big of a deal. The only thing, and I I heard I think Nate Bacati say this on the Border Patrol that like the Royals, like all white jerseys and the powder blues is one of the cleanest looks in all of baseball, and I agree with that the red patch really takes away from that that opinion, right? Like, it it just, it's just so stark. It looks odd. But again, I don't think it's something we're really going to notice or think about as the season rolls on. It's just kind of jarring initially because the Royals haven't had one yet. That is, Joel, I'm with that last little bit you said about people aren't going to notice. Like, Maybe I just don't care too much about the details or pay attention to them. But I, yeah. when NBA teams do it or like sports teams say, oh, we're sponsored by blah, blah, blah. As long as there's not multiple patches on that jersey where it's really taking away from the experience, I couldn't care less. I'd be like, okay, well, if LeBron and the Lakers are sponsored by, you know, KC Sports Network or whatever, I guess I should have picked the company I don't have strong feelings about. I'd be like, okay, I'm still going to buy it. I'm still going to wear it, whatever. Um, this I like Quick Trip, and I also like this is from the Royals release. The partnership will incorporate the launch of Hit the Books, which is a program focused on improving literacy rates across the KC community. Um, it includes a pretty big con- uh, commitment to KC public schools and a donation for every Royals hit this season and other initiatives. And of course, something like that going to be in every press release. It's going to pop up. But like Quick Trip's a good company. I worked for Quick Trip, believe it or not, back when I was 16. I want to say it was one of the very first jobs that I worked that I knew very early on. It was like six weeks, I I think. Like I very, very brief aside, okay, like 20 seconds. I did the training, knew it wasn't really my type of job per se. Got my graduation pin at the end and they said, Are you ready for your store assignment? And I was like, No. And that was that was literally (laughs) it. Like I think I worked two days at the new store. Um, then went on to something else, but still a quick trip customer, still a big fan of them. Um, that's uh, a lot more time than I thought we'd spend on on something like that. Good, good that we're helping kids read by every yeah. donut and energy drink that I shove in my mouth. Absolutely, hundred percent. Um, there's no natural segue to transactions slash, you know, off topic kind of housekeeping type stuff. 
Former Royals are on the move, both in retirement and trying to keep their careers alive. Mike Moustakas back in the AL Central. He's on a minor league deal with the White Sox. He's going to make $2 million if he makes the opening day roster. He has another $2 million he can make in incentives, but he's 0 for 8 in spring training so far um, with three strikeouts. So small sample size stuff, we're going to use that. We need like a donation yep. jar probably for this we're just, season. We just need to have like Tucker or somebody just put it somewhere on the mask. Small sample size ticker. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. understand it's spring training. Get out of our mentions. Yep. Uh, and Whit Merrifield and Jorge Soler. Um, signing deals. Merrifield with the Phillies. It has a buyout and a club option. Solaire three years, forty-two million with the San Francisco Giants. I don't really have too many verbose thoughts on any of those, but I'm glad that Mustakis is at least hanging on a little bit. I guess I should have mentioned Hunter Dozier too, but um, almost forgot. You know that that's just how it goes with the the recent performance that he said. No, good for Jorge Soler. He turned the the World Series MVP into a three-year deal with the Marlins, and then he was able to get the opt-out after two and get a pay raise with three extra years out in San Francisco. So good for him. Whit Merrifield on a one-year deal out in uh, out in Philly. I mean, he's 35, so we'll see what he's got left. He was pretty decent in Toronto last year, so you know we'll, we'll see how it goes. I hope Moose hangs around. I've always liked Moose, and I always hope. Uh, it sucks kind of the way that his free agency went. He kind of got a raw deal at least early on. Uh, so open for the best and maybe he, you know, hope he hangs around, you know, for another year or so. Considering how this off season has gone, it's, it's kind of shocking that only one of them ended up in the Chicago White Sox uniform or the, yeah, the Chicago, Chicago White Sox yeah, the, the Chicago Royals are uh, alive and well, I guess. Kansas City Royals East. Yo. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> but the, yeah, it's definitely a good thing. And, and Moose did play uh, a mean first base, had a highlight catch uh, with the yesterday, <laughs> the day before. So yeah, I think he's so. got that glove. It's uh, it's funny to watch him plod backwards in that down that first baseline. But uh, yeah, hopefully Moose gets stuck, uh, gets six on that roster, and uh, we see him in Kansas City in a different uniform, even if it is a Chicago White Sox uniform. On the track of highlight plays at first base, this guy made some that were necessary and maybe, you know, a couple that were a little bit more pronounced than they necessarily needed to be, or, you know, got flubbed on occasion, but Eric Hosmer retired, obviously longtime Royal went to the Cubs, the Red Sox didn't really latch on after that Cubs stint. Um, he launched, I think the podcast is called digging deep. Is that correct? Yeah. For Moonball media, which he started up as well. So he's kind of launching the, the media thing and, he seems really good at it early on. I've listened yeah. to some clips and highlights of the show. Like he's got a presence where I think he could have that type of career. Not just that, but like either for like a Kansas, you know, like a Bally Sports or MLB Network, something like that. I could see him sticking on there as a, you know, an analyst of some kind. That'd be yeah. bad. No, hundred percent. And he had a decent career. Like he hit almost two hundred home runs. The WRC plus hovered over a hundred. Um, baseball reference has like that top 24 Royals B war, like leaderboard that I always like to look at just to refer to like where Salvador Perez at, like where would this player be like extrapolate stuff like that. Um, Eric Hosmer 15.4 over the course of his Royals career. Didn't quite crack that leaderboard. David, the Jesus was at 18.1, but you look at 
if he would have had the the Padres seasons added on to that, he'd be in the top 24. Like he was a good player when he was in Kansas City and there was always the people seemed to want more when he played and then the big contract offer and then he he dipped town for a big contract and obviously didn't live up to it. But looking back on his career as a Royal, got to remember him as a champion, got to remember him for the good seasons he did have um, and being the guy that Man, I know Patrick Mahomes takes the world by storm, but like in 2015, 2016, everybody was an Eric Hosmer fan. People that didn't even watch baseball or the Royals were like, oh my God, Eric Hosmer is great because he was that big of a uh, presence in a city that didn't have a bunch of icons like that. Well, it, the, it's just kind of the natural way that things go in baseball, like national, nationally. It, you know, people are going to remember the most recent stuff from a player and the legacy that Eric Hosmer carries is a guy that didn't live up to a huge contract in, in San Diego. But what people are not going to remember as fondly, at least outside of Kansas City, is the fact that he was a champion ball player in his early 20s and helped bring, kind of bring Kansas City baseball back from the depths. They were horrible. And he was part of that group that helped change things. They started winning in the minors and they get to the majors and it's rough there the first couple of years and they just keep finding ways to win and they ultimately get there. Yeah, he was a star in the city. Like it was him and Salvi there, you know, early on in Lorenzo Kane. And that group meant so much to this city, just like the Chiefs do right now. Like I hell, I remember back when I did have hair, when I was in high school, I had the Hosmer haircut. Like I did that my junior and senior year of high school. Like that was the thing because that was what, what he meant to the city. It was that sort of stuff. Um you know, I, I need someone to Photoshop that. I need someone to Photoshop <laughs> that on current Joe. <laughs> hey, I I need some. I need I need. Help. <laughs> I was gonna say there's a little real estate up there now for for everyone to work with and be good. So if you're watching on YouTube, I did shave my head. I'm still coping, so please help me. <laughs> there's no shame in the game, man. It, it's gonna happen for a lot of people, whether they want to admit it or not. And you know the like I said before the show, there's something empowering I feel about uh, being bold. So, yep, just trying to be like Craig's trying to be great like Craig Stout, you know? Mm. Well, the, we're going to bask in that. Yeah. The thing that I wanted to talk about with Hosmer was just like, and Joel, you kind of hit it on it, was like, he didn't, I don't think his reputation was tarnished like it would have had he signed that big rumored contract extension that the Royals were yes. essentially a bit. I was kind of thankful that A, it didn't handicap the Royals payroll like it would have, but also because it didn't really tarnish the reputation. Everybody was still he was still kind of on the downward spiral of his career and people were still potentially interested in bringing him back as like a, you know, a, a bench bat or even a pin, uh, you know, backup first baseman type of thing. So that tells me right there that there were still plenty of people that were interested in having Eric Hosmer as a Royal again. And that tells me that I think his reputation was not tarnished. And I'm thankful for that. You can kind of keep his spotty image uh, to Royals fans. But I was kind of looking back at some of the great moments of the Royals a Hosmer run. Uh, obviously, those postseason runs. Do you guys have a favorite? Obviously, the Dash Homes probably, probably That's the Mount Rushmore, maybe one hundred one. I remember. I think it was the home run. I think it was an extra innings against the Angels in fourteen. I think that yep. was game two. Yeah, for that. I, one. Yep. Um, that one I was like, they, I was running through those memories, and that was like the first time I remember thinking as it happened, I was like, this isn't supposed to be. We we're supposed to be happy with the wild card win. The Royals are supposed to be able to do this to good teams like the Mount yeah. Trout teams. Yeah, the um, the, yeah the home run uh, that started the comeback against the 
uh, Astros in game was that would have been game four. Eight, the, I don't know. Uh, and it wasn't the comeback. He was like the insurance run guy in the ninth. That's it was right. a, uh, seven right. six, and then he hit the home run in the ninth to go up nine six. Good recall. Uh, yes. Yeah, I recall it because I had I looked it up today. And the other thing about this is, I think it was that morning that the no fluke article that he wrote for the Players Tribune came out was the morning of that Astros game. And considering how that game went, is wild to think about how he wrote because they were done, like they were dead. Yeah, and the what was that the seventh inning or whatever dead. Mm-hmm. And he that article came out that day. I was like, oh no. I cannot believe, and then him being the guy that kind of put the nail in the coffin on the on the Astros there, uh, there in the game four was huge, just wild, and that's just like that's what Hosmer did. He was clutch. He was the guy who brought the word intangibles to Kansas City at that point. Like <laughs> you had so many immeasurable talents, the clutchiness, all the you know the leadership stills that he had. Uh, that was the Eric Hosmer era to me in the Kansas City uniform. It's the end of an era for Eric Hosmer and his baseball career. It's the end of leg one of One Royal Away. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk some more Royals baseball. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest-ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. kcsn.substack.com We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. One Royal Way. Um, KC Sports Network, Jordan Foot, Josh Kaiser, Joel Penfield here with the pals to talk some spring training. We got some housekeeping out of the way. Now we have some transactions to talk about. And we, we chatted before the show. Some of them probably deserved a little bit more of an in-depth look than some others, but starting at the top, um, David Sandlin traded, um, for John Schreiber, a relief pitcher. Schreiber is going to be 30 on March. I think it was March 3rd. I was looking at his fan graphs page earlier. Um, lots to unpack here. The initial reaction guys to the trade was not too positive, and I believe it was Kylie McDaniel who was kind of crapping on it. And I'm not going to throw shade at Kylie because he does fantastic work. I respect him a lot. Um, but he's also been one of the guys that's talked bad on the farm system. And then when you do that, but then you prop up David Sandlin as one of the better pieces or whatever, gets a little bit hairy. Um, we kind of chatted in either we have like a text thread and then a Twitter slash X DM as well. Um, we chatted in one or the other 
we were like, okay, well, you know, David Sandlin has promise, but then Joel brought up there's no such thing as a, a pitching prospect. You're getting a guy that has uh, all three options left. Club control through 2026 has a good season on his resume. Like my initial reaction and what I think now haven't really changed. Joel, I'll start with you. Have you kind of changed any thoughts? Do you have any more to kind of push that combo forward? No, I, I mean, my initial reaction was I was surprised that the Royals, that we'd heard that the Royals were going to make another move. We had kind of heard they, they weren't done. It was just a matter of what that move might be. And when I saw they made the trade, I saw David Sandlin's name first before I even saw um, Schreiber. I was like, because I had seen some videos of David Sandlin popping hundos in, at his workout facility and like the stuff looked good. I was like, dang, you know, there might be something there. But if that's the cost of doing business for a reliever to help your big league roster, you know, it is what it is. And I understand that David Sandlin's a, a promising young pitcher, but he's also 22 years old and only threw eight innings in A-ball before he got hurt. So there's still an unknown commodity. And, you know, like I said, the, the adage goes, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. You can have all the promise in the world, all the stuff. Who knows if it translates? We've seen that with the entire 2018 pitching class that's come up here. How many guys have hit? Like one? One and a half? Exactly. Like that. that's the thing. So if that's what it takes to make your big league roster better is trading some of these younger guys that are unknown commodities to a certain degree, then okay. And it's not like this is a one-year thing. You got three years of this guy. He's got some promise. He's got, you know, it's, it's that thing... The thing that intrigues me about this reliever is he's got like, the, it's like a sidearm, like low three quarter. So it's just a different look, which this bullpen really doesn't have. Like they had it with Jose Quas. And so I think they're trying to find that sort of funky angle, I know, heavy sinker slider guy. And if that's what he's able to provide, then awesome. Uh, but I'm not too bent out of shape about it. Uh, I'm more intrigued about this kind of helps again continue to raise the floor of the big league roster providing more veteran relievers to the bullpen that you know can handle these type of innings he closed out games he pitched high leverage innings for the red sox for multiple years so that's what that's what he's able to provide yeah 100 percent with you there it's it's a fine move it seems like a kind of move that that people who want to be taken seriously make that teams do this just to yes. to add some weapons to that bullpen and macotrero gives him options to uh, give them different looks and given proven veteran status uh, relievers in that bullpen. Um, so I, I was fine with it. I did like Sandlin quite a bit. Um, I did like his strikeout numbers. I didn't like that he was injured. I did like to see what he was doing in the offseason. looked like it was promising. So I can understand both sides of this. If you were happy that it happened and kind of encouraged that, you know, the Royals thought that they it was time to be opportunistic and could, you know, potentially use Sandlin as leverage then great. If you did like Sandlin a lot and didn't want to see him go and thought he was going to be a good guy, I could see that too. So uh, I think both of things can be true. Both of them can be uh, fine and both teams can be winners in this. Let's be, let's be honest about this. So if, if Schreiber goes out there and shoves, then, then great. If Sandlin goes out there and uh, shoves as well, then that's great too. But uh, we're just going to have to, the time is going to have to tell us what to, what to think about this in the future. Uh, Schreiber, really good slider. He also has a four-seamer, a sinker, and a changeup. Um, 2022, he was just locked down. Worth mm -hmm. almost two wins, pitched 65 innings. The ERA was like 2-2-2. Two, two, two. Um, last year, was a little bit up and down. He got hurt. 
um, early in the year, and these numbers are going to sound similar because Lesky also pointed it out in his Substack. He does fantastic work at Inside the Crown. Um, Post IL stint upon returning on July 25th, the ERA was 4.85. He walked 17 in 29 innings. He gave up five home runs and 16 runs. It just wasn't good for him. So, got to cut him a little bit of slack for being injured. He also just doesn't have a too too proven track record of of like being a really really good relief pitcher as opposed to you know putting up complete shutdown numbers versus okay versus really good there's a a sliding scale there with him and then also he's got a pretty gnarly split on righties versus lefties on righties don't fare very well against him they slug 340 hit 217 lefties slug 456 they hit 264 there is a discrepancy there Obviously, with the three batter rule, a little bit different. Um, you're not going to be plugging and playing, and you know, just really face this guy. It's going to come back to bite the Royals probably a time or two when he's used this season. But still, given what he has done, more than David Sandlin's done at the big league level or the Double A level or the Triple A level for that matter, like very intriguing prospect. Um, I think that could easily see this being a trade where people look back on it in two years and see David Sandlin tearing it up. They're like, oh man, the stupid Royals shouldn't have traded him, blah, blah, blah. Like revisionist history and hindsight is twenty twenty. all those cliches. It's a fine move. It's not a bad one. It's not necessarily a great one. It's going to be judged by the result, but like that's kind of how all this stuff is, right? Like you, you can't just take it necessarily on face value. And if you do, kind of an okay move anyway. What are they going to be saying when Schreiber has 50 saves and wins game seven of the World Series? The Royals, anyway, um, (laughs) the Royals did make another big league level acquisition. They brought in Austin Nola. Um, He was recently let go and then didn't, you know, take too long to find another club. Career 249 hitter with a 96 WRC plus. He's played 345 games. 2022 pretty solid. He was worth, you know, he was basically replacement level. He was fine. He was an average player. Um, 2023, he had ocular motor dysfunction. It was just not good. Like he was not recognizing anything. I'm chalking that up and giving him a pass. Now, with that said, older player um, relative to being a newcomer at this stage of spring training, it is a big league deal. People have kind of de-escalated that sense. Like, it's not, he has an option remaining, you know, it's not a big deal. But, as experience playing with uh, Seth Lugo and Michael and Maka Michael. being in the same locker room clubhouse as them, obviously has the option, really good, um, solid player before 2022, then was fine, then obviously last year was the down year. So, like, the timing of it, I think, is the weirdest part, considering his arrow has been trending down for a while now. Um, with that said, the Royals have Salvador Perez, not exactly the most durable. They have Freddie for not exactly the most proven. The organization has different levels of this guy's ready. This guy has this, you can poke holes in everyone's resume. So this kind of just seems like organizational depth. Josh, I'll uh, kick it to you for any quick thoughts. Yeah, hundred percent organizational depth. I, I mentioned on Twitter that there is a non-zero chance that the Royals start out with three catchers on that opening day roster. I think that would be a large mistake if that were to be the case. Um, and I think he would have to leapfrog hot bat like Drew Waters at this point, Dyron Blanco, and his value. So I don't think that's actually a, 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 a an option at this point. But 
I'm fine with the signing. It is what it is. He had some, you know, his projections are okay. Um, I think it's all an 86 WRC plus in that ballpark for a lot of uh, projections. And his framing metrics have been okay in the past. The last two seasons have not been good, but prior to that, they were pretty good. So I don't know. Maybe there's some stuff that he could pass on to some of these younger catchers that could help their framing as he's also filling in some organizational depth. But uh, it's just like a blip on the radar. But they did need a third catcher on the 40-man, so they did get that. It speaks to me that Salvador Perez is not going to catch four or five days a week this year, at least to start the season, right? Because I think they still like Freddie Fermin. They've kind of made that known. So it's not like this is this speaks to a Freddie Fermin trade or a demotion or anything like that. I think he established himself as the second catcher. So maybe Salvador Perez catches a couple days a week, plays first base, DHs, and just kind of moves around, and they try and keep him off his legs as much as they can. And say the Royals do end up in a play in a position where, you know, they have a shot at the, the division because the Twins are under, you know, things kind of fall their way. Okay, Salvi, we need you behind the plate four days this week. Then he's fresh and ready to go, and he's not having to carry that load like he has in the past. He's an older player at this point at a position that is very physically taxing. So this could be just an early season, let's give Salvi a little bit of a break and not make him catch every single day. And Austin Nola catches once a week or is a you know late game defensive replacement for me and takes the backup stuff and it's just there as an insurance policy more than anything. Josh Lester, any takes on that minor league signing at all? Anything? Bueller? He sure did. He just sure did sign. Uh, hashtag Chris Dunn. <laughs> True son, Mizzou made uh, Josh Lester, and uh, that's all I got. Cut that out, Nick. We we don't need that negativity on this uh, on this podcast. No, he, he's hit... 2022, he was with Detroit's AAA system, had 29 home runs, then 23 last year at Baltimore. He's got experience, first base, second base, third base, left field, right field. Like, again, organizational depth. And if I just read that off and were like, okay, well, he has experience at third base and he's hitting home runs and he's turning 30 in July, is it CJ Alexander? <laughs> and you're like, no, it's not. Uh, but they have, you know, it's it's organizational depth. And that's like a polite way to put it as a guy that is going to like you you're going to have triple a depth as a guy that can be in the lineup and can play different positions so everything you could say about the royals just you know take it down to triple a and it applies i mean i think like i i understand like we talk about organizational depth is a you know and sometimes it's an opportunity to kind of dunk on a guy because he's just not a big leaguer but sometimes it literally just is those but the thing is, those dudes are super important too. Like doing the the minor league podcast for the years, like I did previously. Like you learn about the Logan Porters, the Jimmy yep. Governs, um, you know, guys like that, or in now in uh, Josh Lester in this case. Like those guys are super important to have because they fill either they fill a roster spot, they fill a need. They're a little bit of an older dude. You know, they played probably the four or five years in college. They signed for five thousand dollars just because they wanted to go play ball and you know, they can kind of be a as much of a mentor as you can to a Bobby Wood Jr. or a Michael Garcia or a dude that's, you know, young coming through the system. They can be that guy. So I, I don't want people to think that like we're just dunking on Josh Lester because he's probably not going to get any big league time. But those dudes are important. And the, if you're hanging around AAA at 30 years old, 
you just love playing ball. So yeah, all the respect in the world for for dudes like that that want to hang around and do that. Hundred percent. Yeah, the Royals have some guys hanging around with the big league squad, and obviously some some non roster invitees, some minor league guys, but. Um, not even a full week of games in the books, but they've still played six and they had a split squad on Tuesday, um, won and lost against the Rockies and Padres, just kind of stats that, that jumped out. I have like a handful of guys that have either made a nice play or, you know, very, again, I'm going to say it's small sample size, look good or not so good. Um, but I'm going to give it back to you guys and I'll, I guess, snake draft it here to Joel. One guy that, or I guess one play, one day, one stat that has jumped out so far in spring training. I mean, it's been super hard to tell like a ton because we haven't gotten to watch a lot of games. We're getting sure little highlights on Twitter, or we'll get a you know a highlight from a Jake Eisenberg or an Andy Rogers, something like that. But mm-hmm. the one thing that did stick out to me is Javier Vaz in left field making a diving play to win the game against the Angels. I think it was. Uh, like that's just a, that dude's a, a dog. Like he's just a, a solid ball player. He'll play anywhere. He'll make diving plays. He hits his weight. Um, I'm excited for what he's going to bring. I I do believe like he is a big league ball player. It's just a matter of in what capacity. And if you're going to go out and make diving plays like that, like you're just kind of showing, like I'll do whatever it takes to, to you know to make the club. Uh, I didn't have my my first takeaway was more a stat of the players that are projected to make the opening day roster as far as positional players go and their slow start going into the day, they had a team OPS of 491. Um, obviously, again, small sample size and stuff, but it was just a kind of a reminder of the slow start the offense had last year. Uh, that first season, uh, or the first month of the season last year, they had the MLB lowest team OPS of like 6, I don't know, 630-something. Um, so... During that time, the starters were doing, they were overachieving at that point. The bullpen was pretty below average, but still getting stuff done. And the record was 7-22 because the offense wouldn't, couldn't get it going. So they can't do that again this year. They cannot start that same way. They've got to get that, those bats woke up. And they did have a pretty good day today. So I haven't updated that uh, that team OPS. But just starting into the first three games or so of the spring training, was a 491 as a team. I think it's fair to remember too for a lot for people that like when we're saying this, we are not raising any red flags or you know ringing alarm. Sound the alarm, baby! Yeah. One week of games, this guy took. They're done. Over. The Royals are losing a hundred games again. It's over because so much of the early spring training for both pitchers and in hitters, it's not exclusive to one side or the other. Guys are truly using these live abs as an opportunity to work on stuff. Of yeah. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to throw my slider a bunch because I need to work on it early in counts or whatever it is. And sure, they may get, it may get hit hard five times in a row. Okay, like now I know. Hitters are working on different, you know, they're trying to find their timing. They're working on something at the plate that they've been working on in the offseason. So there, there's a lot of like practice that goes into this more than just trying to go out there and get a hit every single time or whatever the yeah. case is. There's so much tinkering and working and then, if they still have a sub-500 OPS at the end of March, sure, we might need to have a different conversation. But for now, like I don't, I just don't want people to think that we are raising alarm bells, that everything is terrible right now. Mm. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, two guys that I'll bring up. There are a couple that I had on my list that I realized we're going to talk about on the way out here. Um, Drew Waters, two for seven. He had a home run, I believe, in his very first at-bat. 
of the spring. He's made some nice defensive plays, so um, good to see him succeeding. Sam Long in two games has five strikeouts um, in three innings to one walk. Hasn't allowed a hit. Um, those are my two, and then, yeah, I guess that's all I got for uh, shout-outs so far in the spring. I've got two as well that we could talk to. I mean, Cole Reagans looked really, really good in his debut. Uh, two innings pitched and five strikeouts, but three hits. So uh, I, he just had some crazy, crazy metrics that we were talking about pre-show that just don't seem possible. There's truly a unicorn fastball if he's doing hitting 101 with the 20 IVB. That's that's insanity. Uh, both the breaking balls, all the breaking balls looked really, really good. So I think he really, really looked good. And I kind of started to think like, when was the last time the Royals had like the pitcher and the hitter that were so high profile going into the season? As we've had some decent, you know, decent pitching uh, performances through the year, decent maybe, hitters. Maybe it would be your like Giordano and Hosner, Giordano and Moose, maybe, but not even that might be profile. Like that might yeah. be the closest we get. We're yeah. talking about Cole Riggins is the ninth favorite for AL Cy Young and Bobby Wood Jr. is the ninth favorite for AL MVP right now. Yeah, there wasn't a there wasn't a hitter good enough with Prime Grinky, right? I don't know trying to think back to that. Oh nine. Hey, Mark Tian had good years then. Mike Sweeney had decent years during that run. Billy Butler, I think I had a little bit of overlap as well in those runs. But none uh, of but them nothing. Bobby. No, yeah. they were not superstar potential level. I the closest I came to was nineteen eighty nine with Saber Hagen and Brett because both those guys were pretty yeah. close to the height of their powers at that time. But that is thirty three years ago. This is this is where we are with these two potentially. I'm still tempering my expectations about Cole Reagan's, but that's where we are. We're in Saber Hagen Brett type hype levels right now. So we're kind of in uncharted territory for a lot of this fan base, and that's a that's a very very cool thing to think about going into the season. So that was something I took away. And then Daniel Lynch had another start today, had a very similar day, two innings pitched, one earned, uh, one hit, one walk, two strikeouts. The I think his start on Friday, he was sitting ninety one, ninety three. So, <laughs> Jordan, you said I like to say appreciate that old man comment. How, how old were you in nineteen eighty nine? I was three years old. Oh, so I was close saying you were five, but I also yep. made you two years older than necessary. So I'm sorry. That's on me. True. No, it's all good. I it, I remember it fondly as the three-year-old. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, Danny Lynch, uh, Kevin working his bag back from injury, so I'm not really, you know, the, the red flag is not going up just yet, but sitting in 91-93 is not necessarily what I wanted to see from him this, uh, this spring training. I guess we'll see in a couple of starts because some dudes ran. Yeah. There are there are two different ways that guys go about it. Some guys start popping hundos like Cole Reagan's in their first start, and other guys ramp up their velo. So I I guess we'll see. But if on March fifteenth, if Daniel Lynch is sold ninety one to ninety three, then I might just pencil in Jordan Lyles for that fifth starter and start <laughs> like start writing it in Sharpie, but like not fully. You're like tracing over your pencil with Sharpie. You yeah, like put correct. the pen down to the paper and you're like, I don't want to start moving it yet, but like it's it's ready to go. Pretty much, yeah. At that rate, I wonder what Lynch could do if he ramped up that fastball and just went fastball slider change out of the bullpen to see what he could be at that point. It may tick up a little, but I don't Maybe know. Maybe a little. I'm... We're not going there yet. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. We'll, we'll, we'll do more <laughs> roster projections in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. That's that's going to be one of our next two shows. I'm going to pigeonhole us into that. Um, probably the next one. I, I'd say, but we'll we'll get to that at the end. Let's keep it on injuries here. Lots of injury news, which is not necessarily always a good thing. Um, recoveries are obviously good, but projected recoveries are not, and soon to be recoveries. And Carlos Hernandez probably headlines the group. Not the most serious injury, but definitely um, the highest profile player of the 2023 Royals that are kind of parlaying themselves back for 2024. Um, he's been dealing with a sore shoulder, and Andy Rogers, who does great work for MLB.com, I'm sure that you've seen it, heard it, please follow her as often as you can. Um, she said that he didn't respond well to a bullpen. He's going to get a cortisone injection, which, you know, not not necessarily a red flag, but like pretty close to it. And then the two dreaded words shut down or one, I guess, if you're nuts, two words shut down. <laughs> no timetable is also yes. not on. Yes. And Q yeah. said he hopes that it's a short term shutdown, but that's a rough way to start because if there was you know, the Royals have some guys that really needed to have a strong spring and like get the year going on a high note. And Carlos Hernandez is one of them because he started off really well last year and then throughout the year, very up and down. Second half is not very good. This is very bad timing and it's just a rough injury with a lot of ambiguity surrounding it. Yeah, the kind of like the way that they were talking about it does not give me a lot of help. And we're we're not trying to like I'm not trying to speculate bad, but yeah, but to be told, yes, it was sore a couple days ago. He threw and it didn't go well. So now we're going to go with a a cortisone or like PRP injection, Mm -hmm. and we hope it's short term. But he's not going to pitch for a while. That's just like they're not red flags, but they are waving yellow flags very fast. (laughs) Yeah, one of those numbers (laughs) exactly. I'm clipping that, but yeah, way. I'll do that. I'll do that. Please clip it. <laughs> I Carlos Hernandez. It sucks because I was really wanting to see him rebound from that tough second half. Really wanted to see what he could do and see if that first half was still in there somewhere with him. Uh, still could be, but this is not great for uh, for that potential as well. So he had a high ceiling that he could have uh, achieved and really, really helped this team. But uh, we'll have to kind of wait to see and if that's a possibility for 2024. Let's get the. Uh... Worst injury news of the group out of the way. Christian Chamberlain, really promising uh, prospect for the Royals. Elbow soreness was the initial diagnosis, and everyone was like, okay, you know, no big deal. Give him a few days off, whatever. He has a torn UCL, so they're still reportedly going through next steps, but everyone knows that probably means Tommy John. He's not going to be pitching this year um, at any level for the Royals if that ends up the case, so... There's that's just really shitty for the player and for the organization. Like there's no kind of working around that because Chamberlain has been talked about quite a bit this offseason and then gets the invite and now the the twenty twenty four calendar year he's already on the shelf. Yeah, it stinks. I thought he was a guy that might work his way toward Kansas City, just like kinda of like in the same way that Will Klein would. Uh, with the way that the Royal Shuffle relievers, I thought maybe there's a chance he he could do that. The stuff is, it's very very good for especially for a reliever, a lefty, mid nineties wipeout slider. It's all there, and it stinks that this happens now. Just as he's kind of getting on the precipice of that that opportunity now, who knows? You know if he's able to get the velo back. Like there's so many questions when it comes to 
guys tearing their UCL. It's an unfortunate reality for for a lot of pitchers. Um, so hopefully, you know, speedy recovery and he's able to come back, you know, early in 2025 and regain what he had. Uh, it definitely sucks for for Christian Chamberlain at that point. It does. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you build depth for. This is why they why they went out and kind of remade their bullpen so they didn't have to potentially rely on the if uh, Christian Chamberlain puts it together and and uh, has to rely on him on a very normal basis in 2024. So it kind of does open the door a little bit for guys like Jake Brintz, guys like uh, Sam Long, like Josh Taylor, Walter Pennington. I mean, there's guys that they could potentially line up a little bit further behind uh, Chamberlain at that point in Omaha and then potentially break it into the into the majors, but we'll have to see about that. I also kind of wonder if they could still add another guy, like Ryan Stanek still out there, Michael Gibbons, Cody Hoover is in there. It's uh, wild that Stanek is still out there. Yes. I, it, there must wild. be some big injury concerns there, I think, at that point, too. It, considering he's a power guy and, and he kind of had some injury concerns there last year, but um, I do wonder if there's still a move to be made. They still would need or require a 40-man roster spot at that point, but um, I think that's a, that's a possibility going in there. But, uh, yeah, just sucks for Christian Chamberlain. Hopefully he gets better soon. Yeah. Um, breezing through these next two guys, you brought up the 40-man roster spot. They opened up one of those by um, – and obviously it's been replaced since then. But Chris Bubich is on the 60-day IL. Uh, I tweeted it, and – I guess I should have made that very clear in the initial tweet instead of the reply. But like, it's not a bad thing. Like, this was always going to happen just because he's still working his way back from Tommy. And then uh, Hunter Renfro has had his spring training delayed a little bit by some back tightness, but by all accounts, it's going to play Wednesday. Um, Josh, you brought up Jake Brents. He is the one to talk about, I think, recovering from Tommy had like a lat strain as well that he mentioned in the doc and it just hasn't gone well for him from a box score standpoint um and also from just watching him pitch standpoint and just out there it's not a fantastic way to begin the spree yep i it definitely worked his way back and before he got injured he and before he really became a royal he was struggling with command and they did they did pretty good stuff with his command. He did turn into a productive reliever there for a little bit before he got re-injured. But um, yeah, had a, had a start, I think it was on Friday where uh, he gave up like two hits, walked two guys, hit a batter, had a wild pitch. It was just not looking good. He pitched again today with a full inning, no hits, two walks, one strikeout, no earned. So still very much working his way back on the road to recovery, but uh, we'll have to kind of keep an eye on him. Andy Rogers was talking like kind of hyping him up there before, yeah, uh, before Friday in the in the workout, saying that he was looking really, really good. So, um, Andy knows her stuff, and uh, I trust her. So, we'll see. You have to keep it on Jake Brintz and his uh, his screening as well. Yep. If you're uh, down there and want to watch the Royals and potentially see Jake Brintz, they play Seattle, Chicago, um, the Athletics, the Guardians, and the Reds Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Lots of baseball to react to by the time we. Uh, meet next on the podcast let's get out of here on nugget of the week it's something that i just think is fun something we see throughout the week we all see different stuff we all consume it in a different way um something that i noticed that our buddy jack johnson who does really good work for the locked on royals podcast as well as sports radio 810 he was down at spring training 
talked to Nick Lofton. Um, Nick Lofton said, and I quote, playing more first base and getting comfortable with it. Um, Fangraphs had him at 22 innings at first base in AAA last year, and then 40 at uh, first base at the big league level last season. I don't remember those 40 innings. That's probably my memory being shitty. Um, however, that's just interesting because the Royals have Nick Prado, who is by trade a first baseman. They have Vinny Pasquantino. They have like plenty of potential options there. And then maybe that means the Royals are just trying to find one more spot to get Nick Lofton in the lineup because in again, a um, SSS, I'll let you decipher what that stands for. <laughs> the bat was pretty impressive um, and he did good things last season. I remember, I remember him on first base and I remember that him sending him to the Arizona fall league and kind of speculating as to just sure. why that they thought may he may be working on getting more reps in the Arizona fall league at first base, but he didn't last very long. I think, he was quickly replaced. So I can't remember who it was. Um, but yeah, that was the speculation. So I'm interested to see uh, it, how real that is. And it's just another versatile versatile, versatile player. There it is. Uh, that could be at Mac Quattrero's, um leisure to use. Um, one of the things that I've kind of caught and I was really in, uh, encouraged by is Carter Jensen's uh, usage so far in spring training. He's been the pinch and hitter substitution for the designated hitter for the first two games. And then he got some run with the, a lot of the, you know, MLB level guys, the guys that are on the bubble there on Sunday, uh, going into the day at six spring training plate appearances, which was, you know, tied for the most of the, uh, all the guys there. So it kind of made me wonder, like, is this guy potentially a little bit further up in the depth chart that maybe we're kind of giving him credit for, um, has, you know, has a great elite eye potentially, um, but he doesn't. He has above average power, but the average has just not been there. So uh, there was a lot of questions about what his defensive position will be moving forward. He is a catcher, and he you know had some pretty good reports about having pretty strong backstop defense metrics back there. Um, so I was very kind of curious. Still, just twenty one or twenty years old, not even twenty one yet. So um, still very much a prospect. But uh, I did some digging a little bit on here. Last year, he's in quad A, or I'm sorry, high A quad cities, River Bandits, played 116 games, 68 were at catcher, slash 211, 356, slug 363, um, 18.5% walk rate, 24.1% K rate, and only an 8.8% swinging strike rate. Ridiculous. So there's a great eye there, and he just is a little bit more passive, and he admitted this to Annie Rogers. She's a great write-up on him. Uh, there before the season started that he was specifically looking to get a little bit more aggressive, especially earlier in counts. And I think that is uh, a great uh, first step to his great approach already. But since 2006, only one 19-year-old at high A or higher had a walk rate over 18% and a K rate under 25%. That is the 2023 Minor League Player of the Year, Jackson Holiday. Wow. So just kind of let that marinate a little bit, but I think I think he if we can get him to elevate his balls a little bit more, clip that. Um, we might be looking at a little <laughs> bit yeah. higher slugging for him, and then he could start plummeting up. I'm sorry, not plummeting, but rising up uh, uh, prospect rankings. We could be talking about him in the top 100 pretty quickly. So uh, love what I've seen from Carter Jensen. Uh, just had to kind of look at that a little bit further. So I did. 
No, I like that. I'm, I'm still I'm still excited about Carter Jensen. I'm just tempering it because high school catcher. Just mm-hmm. gotta gotta sure. remember that. Um, so my thing to watch and things that I've, I've noticed. So and it kind of ties back with the uh, the news of the Carlos Hernandez and the Christian Chamberlain injuries. You know who who's the guy that can kind of step up and possibly jump the line a little bit. You know, an opportunity to jump the line to maybe get some big league innings this year or just put himself firmly, you know, in that quad A type, you know, move up and down. Walter Pennington has two outings and has six punchies. Struck out the mm-hmm. side in his most recent outing. That's fun. Uh, for those that may not know who this guy is, he was an undrafted free agent in 2020 at a, the Colorado School of Mines, which is, I think, D2. Um, in you know, pitched all four years there, so he's a little bit older. Uh, has been in the system since 2021, and just found a way to be pretty decent. Um, you know, he had last season 75 strikeouts and 70 and two thirds innings between mo- mostly in Omaha, but a little bit in Northwest Arkansas. Walks are a little bit of an issue, but it's not like it's incredibly concerning. And again, I take. Triple A walk numbers with a little bit of a grain of salt because of the automatic ball strike zone, but the strikeout stuff is there clearly. Uh, you know, 176 strikeouts and 181 and two thirds innings in his career, and if he's and he's getting pretty decent run. It's not like he's going up against all prospects. Uh, and when he has come into games, which is noteworthy to me, so he could be a guy to watch out for. Like I talked about with Christian Chamberlain, of a dude that could possibly make it to Kansas City, you know, at some point during the year with either just injuries or trying to save arms, and they just kind of use I twenty nine to shift relievers back and forth. As a lefty, it's see, it's pretty valuable to have that guy with strikeout stuff, and yep. not just have Will Smith in the bullpen as your lefty, uh, or possibly a Jake Brents, but with his command issues right now, who knows? So, uh. It makes it being a lefty reliever with strikeout stuff even more valuable and a guy that could kind of fly under the radar and make his way to KC this year. Just got to watch out for him for sure. Josh, it looks like you're looking something up. Is it Walter Pennington related? It was. I For for some reason, I <laughs> thought that... Was he on Great Britain's World Baseball Classic roster? I, I, mean, I, I have no that yeah I, I can't I can't stall that one I gave like well you know maybe I I have literally zero clue Joel I think is looking that up live as I we totally speak. am hmm. that'd does be not, a really good poll if he was does not appear to be the case hmm. I'm making that up fake news Walter Pen- and let's be honest though Walter Pennington does sound like a dude who will play oh dude, yes in the world baseball <laughs> classic <laughs> a thousand percent no but I agree with everything you said. Um, I, the Royals, like with Q there and now his type of staff and like the guys that he brought in, it's, they're going to use that I-29 pipeline as much as they can. Like Walter Pennington is probably going to get a shot at some point and it could be sooner rather than later. And like, it's not like guys are dropping like flies, but guys have already dropped and other guys were going to, that's just how pitching goes in baseball and even hitting to some degree. Um, it's a numbers game and we keep hammering home about the Royals getting better at the bottom of the roster and kind of eliminating some of those negative contributors and giving those spot uh, innings to guys that could be passable. And I think Pennington is a 
a pretty good candidate to be one of those guys at some point. Like I think what what more people need to understand, like when we talk about pitching and we talk about the, the depth that you need, pitchers are depreciating assets at all sure. times. It is just a it's unfortunately a matter of time before they either pop their UCL and they're out for a year or they're just they the innings wear on them and they're just done. So you have to plan for that and you have to have as many dudes ready as you possibly can to make it as next man up as you possibly can. And so that's where dudes like Walter Pennington, Will Klein, John Boland, Anthony Viziano all come into play of you guys need to be ready to go because who knows if James MacArthur or a Jake Brents or a Will Smith, they go down, you guys are coming up and getting innings and you have to be ready to go. And we have to have to be able to account for that. And it's not just guys that you're hoping are going to take the next step sure. forward. It's it's a lot of veteran depth at this point, which has got to be a good thing, I think. Absolutely. Yep. No, 100%. Any last thoughts for last thoughts before we get out of here? I'm just excited the baseball's back. I'm excited that I, like, I watched Shohei Otani hit today. It was pretty great. <laughs> we uh, we made it through. I I am upset that it's going to be two weeks before we see the Royals play at a televised game again. Three thirteen is the next televised game. It is ridiculous that, that we could go for another hour. Un- unbelievable, unbelievable, and and even more so like the stat cast lack of stat cast on the Arizona stats stadiums, like, bothering. The next StatCast game is the 7th against the Rockies, and then it's the 12th against the Rockies and the 14th against Arizona, which is right smack dab in between the next time we get to watch them on television. Whatever. I'm sorry. I'm going to de-escalate to get us out of here. If for whatever reason you want to follow anything I do on social media, I wouldn't recommend that, but um, it's at footnoted, F-O-O-T-E, noted on X. Um, Josh is at Josh Kaiser 40. Joel is at JT Penfield. Um, the podcast Twitter page, X page, whatever you want to call it, is at One Royal Way KCSN. I'm incredibly grateful for the continued support, whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, anything else that people listen to podcasts on. We are incredibly appreciative for that. Um, we will be back next week. I'm going to call our shot right now. We are going to. Um, do a Royals roster projection and it's going to be good and it's going to be fun. So and act do it and uh, and very accurate. <laughs> so we'll talk to you then and thanks again, guys. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.